Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm not going to change the title of my message, but the Lord has taken me a different direction. We'll still deal with assigning the power of God, but uh, we will uh, we'll go a little different direction, not uh, different overall from what we normally would teach, but let's go to Hebrews 11. That's a good place. <clears throat> And uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hebrews 11. And we want to start here with verse 1. And uh, we'll go to several others tonight. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, we went over this before, but let's, let's look at this. Faith is a word, a Greek word, that means the conviction of the truth of anything uh, or that you're convinced that something is true. So this conviction is the substance or the grounds or the foundation uh, or the bridge that takes you from one place to another. All right, Faith, this being convinced, is the substance the bridge, the foundation of things noticed, hope for. Hope is a picture. It's, it's, it's important for you to understand that faith, hope is a poor receiver. But it has to be combined with your faith. If, if you only have faith, if you're only convinced something's true, you have to have a picture of what you believe is true. So faith is giving substance. Other translations say faith is giving substance or faith is the substance. And notice of things hoped for. Hope is a picture. Hope is a picture of things hoped for. The evidence or the proof, notice this, of things not seen. And we could say yet. Of things not seen yet. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hallelujah. The, the enemy is always trying to unconvince you. To unconvince you. We're, we're, we're going to look at this tonight. But when you're convinced, I, I want to show you something. When, when you're convinced, faith is the substance. Faith is that conviction that something's true. Hallelujah. That, that's when you know you're in faith. You're convinced. It's, it's this knowing. It's not a feeling. It's a knowing. I'm convinced. I just, I know, right, that this belongs to me, that I have what I'm seeing in the Word. What the Word of God does is it puts the image that God wants you to see on the inside of you. Say this out loud. The image that I see is the image that the Word of God sees. So every time you get in the Word of God, every time you come to church, an image is being painted. Something's being produced on the inside of you. That's the image that faith gives substance to. That, that's why being in the Word is so important. The faith comes by hearing the Word, but you're also getting an image on the inside of you. Amen. Now, <clears throat> so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence... Of things not seen. Now, let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 35. He says, Cast not away therefore your confidence. Now remember that faith is conviction, faith is confidence. And he says, Cast not away therefore your confidence which, notice, has great recompense 
of reward. Now, what has the recompense of the reward? The confidence. And notice, for you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What promise? That promise that has great recompense of reward. That reward that is promised you. Amen. Hallelujah. When you attach your faith to something, the reward is on the other end of your faith. When, when you attach the rope of faith to a thing, now you're, that rope of faith is attached to your promise. And notice what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, your job is not cast away your confidence. Other translations say, don't let go, don't abandon, don't forsake, don't give up on your confidence. So right now, whatever you're believing God for is hooked to that promise by the rope of faith. Your job is to keep a hold of the rope because on the other end of the rope is your reward. And and notice he says, don't cast that away. The enemy is always trying to convince you that you're not going to get something. Are you following me? Now, here's why this is so important. We're, we're going to go to Timothy here in a moment. But he's always trying to convince you that you're not going to get something. What that does is it causes you to be put in this position where you cast away your confidence. The rope of faith that you have, that you have hooked to that promise, it's under your control. It's up to me if I cast it away or not. Amen. Remember the story Brother Hagin told, and he told the story about being in this pastor's home. And uh, one night, those alarming heart symptoms came on him. And he said, uh, he was sitting there in the bed, and the devil said, uh, yep, yeah, uh, you're going to die. All those symptoms have come back on you, and you're not going to get your healing this time. And Brother Hagin said he threw the covers up over his head and started laughing. And the devil said, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you. He said, why are you laughing at me? He said, because you said I'm not going to get my healing. And he said, that's right, you're not going to get it. And he said, well, devil, that's why I'm laughing. I've already got it. Right? And he said that those symptoms would settle down. And here, here the same scenario was played out through the evening. Well, here's the point. What was the devil trying to convince? You're not going to get... You're not going to get, but, but now see, if you're convinced, you've already got it. You've already got it. Because I'm conv- I may not see the physical manifestation, but my faith rope is hooked. See, right now in the spirit, tug your faith rope and, and see it's hooked to something. So what does that mean? Faith has made the connection. Faith has made the connection. Faith is of the same value of the thing you're hoping for. When you have faith, you have it. When you have faith that you're healed, you have your healing. Yeah, but I don't see it yet. That doesn't matter. See, that's casting away your confidence. That's getting over there with on the devil's playground and playing by his rules because he wants you to look for a feeling or look for something that can be seen. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the proof, the evidence that what you cannot see exists. It's already there. Amen. So if you pull on that rope, pull on that chain of faith, you'll find it's hooked to something. Keep the, pre- keep, keep, the enemy wants you to get slack in your rope. And if you get slack in your rope, all kind of bad things can happen. Your job is to keep the rope taut. If, if you're pulling a car, if you're, if you're pulling a vehicle, if, if you want to do it right, you don't let any slack get in the chain. And the, and the car being pulled slows the car that's pulling them down. So there's no slack in the chain. That's how people get bumpers ripped off and all kind of damage to their cars is because there's slack in the chain. And then when the head car pulls off and gets ready to go, it pulls everything apart. 
But if you're keeping the slack drawn up and you're not letting any slack in that rope of faith, there's, there's nothing the enemy can do because you're, you're, you're being diligent. You're not casting away your confidence. We know these things, but the devil's got to get you to give up. He's got to get you to let go of your faith. He's got to get you to stop pulling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But notice, on the other end of that confidence is your reward. So the enemy will always come and tell you it's not going to happen. You're not going to get it. Now now this is audience participation. But how many have things that you've received by faith? So you got them? So when the enemy comes and tries to point at the circumstance and tell you, look, it's not going to happen, you can just laugh and say, pull on that rope. Well, I've already got it. I've already got it. I've already received it. Hallelujah. Because faith is of the same value of the thing you hope for. If you've got faith that you've received it, you've received it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And notice, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What, why, why is that important? Because you've received it. You've got it by faith. The patience is in seeing the manifestation. Hallelujah. That's why faith is not hard. It's just different. Because the natural man, the natural eye, wants to see and feel and experience all at the same time. And faith is taking what God said at face value and being convinced of it. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And notice, when you, after you've done the will of God, notice, you will receive the promise. What does that mean? Faith will always work. I taught a series some time ago on, 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 on faith. Imagine that, uh, faith builders. But in, in any event, one of the statements that I made, well, it's in the book, Every Day's a Faith Day. And we talked about supposed faith failures and how people say, well, I knew that guy and his faith failed. No, you didn't. You don't know anybody whose faith failed. You know somebody that gave up on their faith, but you don't know anybody whose faith failed. See, that gives people the idea that if, that if faith can fail, mine might fail. Well, Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. Yeah, but Jesus was praying for an unborn again man. Are you born again? The Bible says you've received a measure of the God kind of faith on the inside of you. Do you think anything that's of God can fail? Break down. Fall apart. Not work. No. Amen. Do, do you see this? So the faith you have will work. And it will bring the promise to you. But I've got to keep it attached. I've got to keep it, I've got to keep it hooked up to the promise. And the enemy's always trying to convince you that it's not going to happen. This isn't going to happen. The symptoms are still there. Nothing, nothing's changed financially. But wait a minute. Faith is of the same value as the thing hoped for. So if you have faith, do you have it? What's that? If you have faith, you have it. What's your job? Keep it hooked up. I was talking to a friend of mine one time. Matter of fact, just last night. And, and he was talking to me about telling us, a group of ministers, uh, uh, he was in California at a meeting. And he said, I started having these symptoms in my body. And he said, uh, they, they, they were just getting, getting worse. And he said, uh, they were going back to fellowship with some other ministers. And he said, I just let the devil know. I said, Mr. Devil, I'm not going to change what I believe. I'm not going to change what my confession is. I haven't changed what I believe. And I'm not going to change what I believe. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And people say, does it take all that? He was keeping his faith rope hooked. I've not changed my mind. This is what I believe I have received. And it will come to me. In due time, I will see the physical manifestation of that thing in my life. Because my faith is of the same value of what I'm hoping for. Amen. Amen. 
Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Look, look over here in Genesis 17. Am I helping you with this? Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> and uh, verse 5. Neither shall your name anymore be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. Now, right here, what we see, the very, this is the very first time we see in any of God's dealings with Abram, number one, well, Abraham, number one, we, this is the first time we see God telling him, I have made you something. Every other encounter was, I will make you, this will happen, this is going to occur. But here he says, your name's no longer going to be called Abram, it's going to be called Abraham, because a father of many nations have I made you. Now, Abram meant exalted prince or exalted lord. Well, here's the issue with that. Anybody could have been an exalted prince or an exalted lord if they led a family in, the, in the, these Bedouin tribes. Anybody could have been that. That was over a large group of people. But not everybody can be a father of many nations. And God came and said, you're no longer going to be exalted prince. You're going to be the father of many nations. Amen. And he put the A, the, the H, the, the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet in, in Abraham's name, showing us some different things. But number one, that this is a work of grace. Five is the number of grace. This is all going to be grace. It's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon me and what you believe about me. Amen. But notice what he said. I have made you. Right? And then he goes on down and he says, <clears throat> verse 15, God said, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Well, Sarai means little princess. Well, all of my girls, I've called them princess. Well, they're not a princess to anybody else but me. But they are to me. So anybody could have been called princess. But not everybody <laughs> would be a mother of nations. And kings of people coming of her. So notice, this is important. What, what does God do? He comes and he says, I have made you something. And then he gives them this homework assignment. Because now the talking's going to change. Now the talking's going to change. Now everywhere Abraham, go, Abraham goes, he's saying, I'm the father of many nations. Now, this is important. We'll go to Romans 4 in just a moment and show you why it's important. Everywhere they go, he's saying, I'm the father of many nations. But wait a minute. There's still no child. There's still no evidence. But God says, I have made you something. Amen. If God told you, I have healed you tonight, would you be convinced because faith is of the same value as the thing hoped for. And so, notice, he says, I have made you the father of many nations. Romans 4. Let's look here. I have made you. Romans 4 is what transpired in that year, nine months or so, from when God said, I have made you a father of many nations, to the day Isaac was born. This is the New Testament filling in those blanks. And notice what the Apostle Paul writes here concerning Abraham. Verse 17. Familiar verse, but notice. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him, whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now, those, those are statements that are familiar to us in our circles. He calls those things that be not as though they were. 26 translation says this. He speaks of future events with as much certainty as if they were already past. God speaks of future events with as much certainty 
as if they were already passed. And one translation says that Abraham became like God in that he called those things that be not as though they were. So it wasn't just God calling those things that be not as though they were. It was Abraham calling those things that be not as though they were. Uh, you, you need to see this. When, when we declare the word, we give testimony that our prayer has been answered. When we declare the word, we give testimony that our prayer is answered. Amen. So when you're declaring the word, when you're confessing the word, you're not just confessing the word to produce something. You're confessing the word as a testimony to what you believe. Amen. When you say with his stripes, I am. Think about that. Isaiah said, with his stripes, you are healed. Peter said, with his stripes, you were healed. When you declare and you say, and the devil says you're sick or whatever the case may be, and you say, no, in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. That is a testimony of what you believe. I believe I'm healed. My faith rope is hooked. Amen. Amen. The, and, and the enemy's always trying to convince you that you won't get what you already have. Because he's got to get you to let go. And so that's why symptoms are so detrimental to many people. Because the enemy will come and he'll say, if you were healed. Now think about that. R remember Luke? If... You're the son of God. What, what have we learned over the years that if is? Help me out. Badge of doubt. Right? If is the badge of doubt. And what will the enemy always come and say? If you were healed, wouldn't you feel better? And he'll try to reason with you. If that was really so, wouldn't that have changed? If you were blessed going in and coming out, wouldn't you have more money than you have? Right? Now you've been confessing and declaring and standing and the faith rope is hooked. You feel it. It's there. You got it. Don't start following that line of thinking if I was. You have been saying you are and there's something on the other end of the line and you know it's there. Don't start saying, well, if I was. The minute you say, if you was, it's gone. This, the line goes slack. Faith requires a constant pressure. Faith requires a constant putting that word pressure on that circumstance. Not, Lord, help me say this right. Not just to change something, but so your faith stays hooked. Amen. Amen. So when we declare the word, we give testimony to our answered prayer. I have received it. Amen. No, notice over here in Mark 11. <clears throat> and verse 22. He, Jesus answering said, have faith in God. For truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith come to pass, he'll have whatever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now very often that's, that's, that's misread. So when you pray, you know, you know uh, believe that you're going to receive them. No, it's, when you go to prayer, you believe you've already received. Hallelujah. Now, 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 wait a minute. What are the things in verse 24? The things that you believe will come to pass in verse 23. So when you declare it, you're declaring it because you believe you've already received it. Amen. 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 And then when you go to, you, you're praying, you're believing you have received. 
Not going to receive. Now it's a testimony. I have received. I have received. Right? And, and a lot of people are fighting what they call the fight of faith, but they're fighting a fight for faith. And it's not a fight for faith, it's a fight of faith. It, it's a fight to not let go of what you already have. Amen. Look, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Let me show you this. I've been meditating a lot about this. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Notice something that Paul says. Verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. Now follow this, this formula. I believed. And therefore I have spoken. Now what came first? What, what would believing be? Convinced. Faith. Faith came. And what happened after faith came? He spoke. He became convinced and he said. And this, this is Paul quoting David from 100, Psalm 116 verse 10. And then he says, notice, then he says, we also, we New Testament believers, we believe and because we believe, we speak. So what you believe, when you say what you believe, it's not a positive confession in the sense that a lot of people make it. It's, it's a testimony that you believe you've already received. And what a lot of people do with their words is, that, is they, 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 they try to work something up with their confession when confession is evidence of what you believe. Amen. You got to be convinced and speak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the, the, the different stories that, that we preach and teach on are so important. That's, that's why, you know, uh, Jesus told Thomas. They came and they told Thomas, they said, the Lord has risen. Now, here's the question. Now, follow me here. Did, did Jesus tell him he was going to rise from the dead? How many times did he say, the third day, right? I'm, I'm coming up out of the ground because there ain't no grave going to hold my body down, right? Anyway, that's not what he said. <laughs> Sounded good right there. But the point is, he said, he said the Son of Man's going to be betrayed, crucified, buried. The third day I'm going to rise again. And he even told him where to meet him. Right? Well, the third day shows up. Mary and some of the other women are at the tomb. Jesus uh, appears to Mary Magdalene. She runs back on the third day, tells them, I've seen the Lord. They didn't believe her. Right? So then he appears to two on the road to Emmaus, two unnamed disciples. And they're on the road to Emmaus. And they come say, we've seen the Lord. They didn't believe him. And then the next thing it says, Jesus walked through the wall and upbraided them because of their unbelief. Right? Well, then they said, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I understand if it would have just been them. But Thomas was there when he said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. You follow me? And when Jesus showed up and Thomas was in the midst, remember what he said? He said, if I don't put my finger in his hand, my hand in his side, I won't believe. I won't. Don't you cast away your confidence. What did Thomas say? Unless I see something physical, I will not. I will not believe it. Jesus showed up. Remember what he said? Hey, Thomas, put your hand in your finger in my hand and put your hand in my side and don't be faithless but believe don't be faithless but believe what does that mean that even when you see outside evidence and external evidence it's still possible not to believe faith requires it requires 
that you take at face value what God said. This is what he said, and this is what I believe. I have it. Now, now contrast that, and we've done it before, but contrast that with the Roman centurion that, that, that came to Jesus and said, my servant lies at home grievously sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Now, the Jews put a great value on a touch, on an outward sign, on, on, on the man or, or the man of God or the prophet laying hands on someone. It touch means so much. But here's this centurion that's, that's he's, he's getting this opportunity because of his faith. And he, you remember what he said? He said, I'm a man under authority. Now watch, 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 watch. And I tell one. I tell him. You ought to get that 21-week series on exercising our authority and learn it all over again. I tell him. He gives us the sequence of, of, of how we operate our, our authority. I tell one to go, and he goes. I say to one, come, and he comes. I tell one to do this, and he does it. Right? I tell him. I say. And he said, I'm a man under authority. I know how it works. And if you just speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Hallelujah. Because the word of Jesus to that centurion was a testimony that it's done. And he hooked his faith to what Jesus said. And the Bible said his servant was whole. Is that right? When Jairus came to Jesus and met him at the boat, Jesus had just come back from casting the devils out of, out of the madman of Gadara. And Jesus puts feet on, on the shore, and Jairus came, and it says there came one, uh, a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and he come beseeching Jesus greatly that he would come to his house and lay his hands on his little daughter, for she was grievously sick. Other, transla- or, or other of the Gospels say she was already dead. She had already died. So, so some, some, just a, a, different, a difference of perspective. But here's what we know. She was already dead. And Jairus came and what did he say? He said, if you come and lay your hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll live. Is that right? Amen. And Jesus, what did he say? He said, okay. And immediately he went. Well, on the way, you know, remember the story? The woman with the issue of blood shows up and slows everything down. We're not teaching about her tonight. Right? But at that moment, you you remember her. At that moment, right after he says, go your way, your faith has made you whole. At that moment, it says, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, and they said this, why are you bothering the master? Your daughter is dead. Right? What was his first declaration? Come, lay your hands on her, and she will live. Is that what it said? So whether she had been dead or just died, they found out she had died, and Jairus had already made the faith statement. He had already hooked his faith. Right? And now here come the the people from the house, and they said, why are you bothering the master? And Jesus, Jesus, other translation says that he overheard it but ignored it. Some say paid no attention to what they were saying. Right? (laughs) Do you understand this? This is why it's so important what you're hearing. What you're believing God for. Don't be around a bunch of people that are talking against what you're believing God for. Amen. 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 Because every word that they speak, you've got to counter it. You've got to cancel it. You've got to cross it out. Amen. And uh, uh, Jesus turned, you'll remember very quickly, he turned and he said, the King James says, don't be afraid, only believe. Other translation says, don't be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Keep on believing what? What you said at that boat. If I would come and lay my hands on your daughter, she'd be healed and live. Mm. Do you see that? 
So all the way through that tumult, all the way through that crowd, all the way to his house, Jairus' faith was resting on what he had said to Jesus at that initial meeting. And ever how long it took, when they got there, Jesus laid his hands on that little girl and she was healed and lived. Now people say that was Jesus. No, that was Jairus keeping his faith hooked. Jesus could not have operated in that capacity if he hadn't had the faith of the, of the, of the, of the, of the girl's father. At any time, Jairus could have said, well, you know, it was a good try. We gave it our best shot. But Jesus said, if you'll just keep on believing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember in the book of Luke, the nobleman's son, he came to Jesus. And it said Jesus was in Cana of Galilee where he did his first miracle. And the nobleman came to him and said, Sir, my son is sick. My sir, my son is at home sick. Come lay your hands on him and heal him. And remember what Jesus said? He said, he said you, you, you people won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And the man said, Sir, come down to my house so my child won't die. Right? And Jesus said, Go your way, your son lives. Is that right? What'd he do? Hooked onto that. Hooked onto that. That's all he had to hear. He hooked onto that. He became convinced. And it took him a day to get back to his house. He went all that night and the rest of that day on what Jesus told him. And when he got there, they came out of the house and met him and said, uh, your son lives. And he said, when did he start to, to, when did he get better? And they said, he started to amend yesterday at one o'clock. And it says he called to mind. That was the exact hour that Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Faith is of the same value of the thing hoped for. The minute you receive it and the minute you believe it's yours, it starts going into operation. It's not when you didn't get it when you see it. You got it when you believed it. Hallelujah. 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 So he said we believe... And we speak. We believe and we speak. Well, people say, what are you speaking? What you believe. Now, now I'm, I'm trying not to go too long here. Uh, uh, I want to respect your time. Which, <laughs> but, but that's why, you know, we make the statement, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why is that so important? Because it's evidence of what you believe. If you're believing for a certain thing, and this can be elementary, but hear me. If you're believing for a certain thing in your life, you're believing for healing, or you're believing for a, a loved one's healing, or whatever, and what's coming out of your mouth is, it just doesn't seem like anything's getting any better. It's just not getting any better. Nothing's changing. Listen to me. With compassion, with all the compassion I have. My family, that's what you believe. You believe that nothing's getting better. Well, I mean, I know God can, but it just doesn't. No, but that's not, that's not faith. Knowing God can is not faith. Knowing God can is hope. Knowing God has is faith. So you never look at your circumstance and say nothing's changing. You just let go of your rope. You just cast away your confidence. And what's on the other end of your confidence? Your reward. And what, what did he say it took? Patience. So what does that mean? You might have to patiently endure the symptoms. You might have to patiently endure the financial rebuild. You might have to patiently endure seeing a loved one deal with what they're dealing with, but you have received their healing. You have received your healing. You have received your financial recompense. It's only a matter of time between I have received it to there it is. 
I can speed it up or slow it down. The Lord told Charles Capps, your confession is to your faith like thrust is to a jet engine. The more you speak, the faster it goes. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! And, 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 and you know, it doesn't hurt you to say it all the time. If it's nothing else, you're thinking about that situation and the enemy's talking to you. Here's what you say. No, no, it'll all come to pass. It'll all come to pass. It will all come to pass. Everything God has promised me will come to pass. What are you doing? You're keeping that faith rope hooked. Amen. When the enemy tries to talk to you about your finances, just open your mouth and say, I will never lack in the name of Jesus. I will always have more than enough money in Jesus' name. We will always have more than enough and, and be fully supplied, completely filled, rich, rich, rich in Jesus' name. What, you're keeping your faith rope hooked. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there, 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 there's, I say the financial department, that's Jim. But, but there, 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 you know, there, there are times that, that I get called in the meetings and we got to make a decision about finances and, and what do we do here and what, how do we do this. And Right? And, and, and there's times it can be tempting to say, well, my Lord, you know, what in the world happened here and, and all these things? But I've learned to just control myself and say, and, and, and say, we have all that we need to do everything God's called us to do in the name of Jesus. And more than once, I've walked out of the meeting and said, I have nothing to say, but we have more than enough in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, that wasn't very business-like. No, but it's faith-like. Have you ever crunched every number and pinched every penny and milked every dollar? You squeezed Washington so hard he was screaming. Right? I've been there. I know you have too. Hallelujah. What does faith do? No, 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 no. No, no, no. I have received every need met. I have received more than enough. Right? We, our storehouses are full in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll always have enough for payroll. I'll always have more than enough for my staff in Jesus' name. Well, see, you're, 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 you're countering that, but you're countering it, but you're keeping the faith rope hooked. Because what's on the other end of that rope? Your recompense. And so the enemy will always come. I keep going back to this, but it's important. That's why the enemy will always come to you and say, well, that's not going to happen. I got it. See, that's why the enemy doesn't understand faith. He knows he has no answer for it, but he doesn't understand it because he's a completely sensory-driven being. He's got to make you scared. He's got to make you afraid. He's got to make you quit. And he does that through sensory mechanisms. What you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you, you'll get a little, a little pain in your body and you'll hear heart attack. Right? Hallelujah. Now think about that for a moment. Remember there's a wonderful book. It's called First Words Matter. Yeah. Amen. You feel that little twinge and the enemy said, oh, oh, heart attack. What do you got to do? No, 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 no. My heart is sound in Jesus' name. My heart is fixed, trusting in God. My heart won't attack me. <laughs> Amen. Listen, we quit singing that song, that beautiful song. That people, well, they said it was beautiful. I mean, it, it was okay. You know, he is jealous for me. And because there's a part of that song that says, my heart beats violently out of my chest. My heart will never beat violently out of my chest. My heart will be strong and secure till the day Jesus calls me home. Yeah. Now, see, that's how you've got to answer that. But how many times you hear people, I can't remember a thing. I'm losing my mind. Where's my brain? I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached. Now, people say that's negative. No, my friend, listen, that's what they believe. That's what they believe. See, you got to take your words that serious. No, I'm of a sound mind. Amen. The old, you know, when you read through the Bible, the older you get, the smarter you get. That's good news for some of y'all. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying who, but right? Amen. My mind is alert. My mind works to the full capacity that God created it to function in. Hallelujah. Now, right there, people say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's just about words. No, it's not. It's about what do you believe? When, when you say, when a person says, I can't remember thing, anything saved my life. Now, that same person will say, I have the mind of Christ. You can't have both of them. You can't have a mind that can't remember anything and have the mind of Christ. Because the mind of Christ is a perfect mind, and a perfect mind can't. Right? So which one do you want to confess? Which one do you want to declare? Yeah, but you know, you start getting older. <laughs> Everything just goes downhill. That's not funny. That's, that's not funny. I said that's not funny. Because you're letting go of your rope. Hallelujah. And so my point in saying all that is that's what the enemy always wants you to do. Let go. You're not going to get it. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be healed this time. God's not going to come through for you this time. Right? Amen. That, that's why you've got to answer that. You've got to answer that. You've got to assign the power of God to that situation. Amen. Look over here in uh, uh, 1 Timothy. And uh, chapter 6 and verse 12. I knew we'd get here. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto also you are called and profess the good profession among many witnesses. Notice, fight the good fight of faith. Not fight the fight for faith. Fight the fight of faith. The fight of faith is not a fight to get faith. It's a fight, it's a fight to hold on to what faith is already given. Notice, he told Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. Now, you do know Timothy was saved. So he don't have to get eternal life. He's got to hold on to it. So, so when you're declaring the word of God, you're fighting the fight of faith. You're holding on to what God said was yours. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, and so when, when, when you say things are getting better every day. Hallelujah. It, 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 isn't that better than I don't know what I'm going to do? Remember I told you some years ago the Lord told me three things to never say again. I don't know. I don't understand. And I can't never say those again. Right? Because how many times you hear people that say, well, what do you think we ought to do here? I don't know. Right? Or people will come and they'll say, I just don't understand. And they'll say that over and over again. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. The problem with that is the Bible says we've been given the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Bible says that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened that we may know. We've been given the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of Him. The Bible says in Colossians we've been given the complete and perfect knowledge of His will in all spiritual understanding. So is there anything you should say you don't know? Well, what, 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 you know, they're asking me a question about a natural thing. What, you know, what do I say? I don't have all the information on that. I'll get it and get back with you. Every time a person says, I don't, I can't understand. I don't know. I can't do that. That's impossible. Letting go of their faith rope. Why? Scripture says you can do all things. Is that right? Amen. So can you? Yeah. 
See, that's my confession. That's my, that's my declaration. I can do all things. Because the enemy will come and say, you can't hold up under this pressure anymore. God's asking you to do this, but you can't hold up under this pressure anymore. Oh, yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm fully fit for everything he's asked me to do in Jesus' name. I can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because, because on the other end of that rope is my reward. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin, you say God don't settle up every payday, but boy, when he does, it's good. He don't settle up every Friday, but when he does, it's good. Amen. That's why, and I'll, and I'll start wrapping up with this, that's why everybody don't operate faith. Because faith requires persistent consistency. You got to be persistently consistent. You got to answer things the same way. I remember I was riding with a minister one time, and he was he was telling me a bunch of things that there was no answer for. And he was telling me why his church wasn't growing and 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 all these different things. And I said, I understand. He said something else. I said, I understand. He said something else. I said, I understand. I looked about the fourth or fifth time and said, I understand. He said, boy, you're an understanding guy. I said, yes, I am. I understand. The enemy wants to get you over into questions that there's no answer for. Well, what are you going to do if? And what are you going to do if? Do you know even natural statistics say that a very small percentage of anything that you have ever worried about actually happened? Natural statistics. Think about it. When was the last time that something really bad that you worried about happened? Now, you've been coming to this church a while. You haven't been worrying. So it's been a while. But think about it. Amen? But the enemy will always come, right? What are you going to do? Now, this, this, this bears me teaching this for a moment. He, he wants to put that. When you react from the pressure of the enemy, you've just moved out of the leading of the Holy Ghost. And, and the enemy is always trying to push you to do something. You got to do something. You better do something. You better make a move. You got to do something. Well, what do I say, Pastor? You just answer that. You say, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm not making a move till I hear from my spirit. Amen. I've walked out of meetings like that before, too. I'm not doing anything. They'd say, what are you going to do? Not going to do anything. Brother Hagin said he was sitting around the, the, the board meeting in one of his churches, and they were, they were giving all the woe-be-gone stories. You know, this is going on, this is going on. And they got to Brother Hagin, and they all said, My God, Brother Hagin, what are we going to do? Brother Hagin said, We're going to act like the word's true. And he said, every one of those deacons looked at him and said, well, you know it is, isn't it? And he said, yes, it is. One night he said, he said he was going into his house and he was holding, uh, uh, sounds funny now because uh, Pastor Hagen's in his 80s now, but uh, just a little boy and he was holding his son, uh, Ken Jr., and fumbling to try to get the key in the lock and there was a lot of things going on and Miss Aretha was there holding Miss Pat and she said, he said she looked at him and said, well, uh, if me and these kids just dropped dead on this porch, you wouldn't even worry then, would you? And he said, well, no, how dumb would that be to worry and you're dead? Now, I'm not suggesting you say that. But, but remember something? When he was on his deathbed and he got a hold of the word of God, he said, I was moving right along and I got to Matthew 6. And it said, don't worry about anything. And he said, the lights went out. Because he said, we were all champion warriors. And I told the Lord, the right there, I said, Lord Jesus, if I got to do this and not worry, I can't do it. I can't live without worrying. And he said, it went dark. The devil put the lights out on him. Now, now think about this for a moment. At that time in his life, he was having anywhere from three to six heart attacks a day. A day. 
And he said, I would reach back and grab the, head, the headboard on that bed because I thought if I could hold on enough, I could stay here. And he said, I, I, I held on to that so hard, I rubbed the varnish off the headboard. Three to six a day. Now think about this. He's having three to six heart attacks a day, and God still brings him the revelation that he can't worry. He, he had to believe something. And, it, and then he said, he decided, he settled that, okay? If, if, if you say I'm not supposed to worry, I'm not going to worry. Now, people will say, why do you talk about Brother Hagin so much? These revelations that the men from the previous era brought to us, if we don't keep them alive and keep teaching them, it'll be lost to our generation. Amen. And he said, okay, all right, Lord, I see that. And he said, there's nothing to worry about. I'm saved. If I do die today, I'm going to heaven. And he said, that's when I let go of the headboard and said, let her go. <laughs> Amen. And the heart attacks start, started lessening. Amen. But then he got over there to Mark 11. Believe that you've rece- you receive and you'll have. And he stayed there for a while. And one day he told the Lord Jesus, he said, Lord, he said, uh, I believe I, I am healed. And he said, uh, uh, and if you stood right here in this room and told me I wasn't healed, or that I didn't believe, he said, Lord Jesus, respectfully, I'd have to say you're lying about it because I do believe. And Jesus spoke to him and said, that's right. You, you do believe as far as you know. Remember that? And then the, he said, well, what, what do you mean? And the Lord said, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, well, men are out of bed at 10 o'clock in the morning. In other words, he was believing, but he'd made no effort. To, to, to change it. Amen. And, and that's when he throwed his feet off, his legs off the bed and hung there on the bedpost. Now watch, this is where I want to get you. And made a declaration. I want to announce to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Father God and the Holy Spirit and all the holy angels and every devil and demon spirit that's listening, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And that's when he said he felt that warm glow start coming down his body. Amen. And within 10 minutes, he said, I was up on my feet, standing there with my hands raised up, praising and worshiping God. When did did that change? That healing power didn't show up at that moment. It had been there all those 16 months that he was in in that sick bed. But one day he contacted it. How did he contact it? By what he believed and what he said. He took it, I believe it, but there's one thing that's missing there. Now you've got to testify to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What if I told you your days of struggle are done? See, you fill your mouth with that. Because the enemy will want to come and say, boy, you're going to struggle here. Boy, it's going to be a hard one. No, 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 no. It's going to be simple and easy. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, there's just some things that are hard. Yeah, but the Bible says, don't call hard what God called easy. He said, don't you do that. Don't call this hard. Amen. It's hard on my flesh. It's not hard on my faith. Amen. If, If faith was just as easy as one, two, three, and flip the switch, everybody would be doing it. But it takes somebody that's going to be persistently consistent and will not back off of what God said. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't stop a man that knows he's right and just keeps coming. I know I'm right. I'm convinced. Amen. And there might be times you've got to look at your spouse and you've got to look at your family and let them know, my faith will hold. My faith will hold. We were believing God for something not too long ago, and we were just discussing it. And I just looked at my wife, and I said, let me put your heart at ease. My faith will hold. My faith will hold. My faith will hold. We will see our new lands and buildings. We will see everything God's promised this ministry because my faith will hold. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. 
You will see the restoration of your child. You will see the restoration of your family. You will see the restoration of your finances because your faith will hold. Your faith will hold. Your faith is up to the test. Your faith is up to the task. It will hold. Amen. Well, stand up tonight. Hallelujah. I believe you got something out of that. As Pastor Ron says, learning is occurring.